to the song. Welcome to the show that educates and entertains. I'm your host, Mark Otobri, and today's guest is a former IFBB pro bodybuilder. He's the founder of the MI40 gym and the MI40 system. He is the bodybuilding yogi. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Pekowski. Thanks, man. Welcome. Let's give a round of applause. So, Ben, first off, uh, this isn't your first time in Australia, but I believe it's your first time for an Australia day. It is. It is the first time for Australia Day. Yeah. So I thought I would do my due diligence and um, give you an Australia Day toolkit. So what we've got here is um, some wheat bix. Okay. Now, have you ever had wheat bix before? Very familiar. Yes. So uh, oh, you've they're had gluten free. They're yeah. gluten free. I'm pretty yeah, so sure. Believe it or not, when I started bodybuilding, I, this used to be my breakfast every day. Oh really? Uh, and I would put a protein shake on top. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think those are made of sawdust. But apart from that, we've also got uh, Vegemite. Have you had Vegemite before? Unfortunately so. Yes, yes. Vegemite, who likes Vegemite here? Oh, a couple of people. I think Vegemite I mean, is almost- I thought, as, I thought it was like everyone in Australia just was like- I hate Vegemite. It's like instead of breast milk, you guys get Vegemite. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate it. I, I feel like with Vegemite, it's almost as polarizing now, as- Now, so uh, let me ask you, what's the nutritional benefit? Because like I would assume that everyone in this fitness room would, would be like, oh, that's good for me. I need to eat it. Is it really bad? Like it's yeast, I know, but like, is there actually any nutritional benefit that you're aware of? Well, I don't, I don't know any nutritional benefit. Um, right. I think if you put it on food that you don't like, it'll probably- Cancels uh, out. Co correct, well abstain, like you can right. kind of anchor in bad food. So if there's a food there you that go. you always have to eat, say chocolate, you put a bit of that on it, you'll never yeah, want to Yeah, I tried to convince my kids it was Nutella, but they wouldn't yeah. believe me. Yeah. I think it's about as polarizing as uh, Lane Norton's views on uh, <laughs> uh, if no, it fits your macros. No comment. So uh, <laughs> then we've got our four and 20 pies. Have you had one of those? No, what's this? These are, these are pies. Meat so pies. if you go to the AFL um, and you watch any AFL games, this is the-, the So common. I've definitely had a meat pie in Australia before. Yeah. The first time I was here, I was walking down a road in Melbourne and somebody said, hey man, like, and it seems like on every corner is a meat pie place. So I got some meat pies. Yeah, now, I think those ones have- I think it was Erin Stern. Do you know who Erin Stern is? Yes. So yes. I think she was the one who told me to get meat pies. Yes, Thanks Erin for your advice. So, uh, and then we have something very special. If there's Tim Tams in there, we're gonna be friends. Well, well, it's this, and okay. this just isn't any type of beer. Actually, what you, oh, careful with that. You might need to put a stubby in there because this beer is so disgusting that you can't touch it with your hands. It is horrid. So us Australians, we really know how so to make a beer. So he's got a bottle opener. But uh, it, it will get you pissed as all hell, I tell you that. Um, and then to finish off, oh, what we also have here is, um, ever had this? This stuff is gold. Uh, Milo, as a kid, who drank Milo? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, Milo. We, have this, we have this in America. So we, what we did was, uh, you know, you do the, the whole whole glass, okay. Milo, and then just a little bit of milk, spit, and then you'd eat it it's out like of it. It's like just yeah. powdered sugar. It'd be amazing. And then finish your Australia day with good old Tim Tams. So uh, that's your jam. I knew I would love you, man. Yeah, yeah, you gotta bite a little bit, put it in the milk with the Milo, Making and the then use it as a, as a straw. Right. And then, and then to celebrate oh, Australia, yeah, we've we gotta do it, uh, we gotta have our, here you got some, there you go. We've gotta get our flags out, so. All right. Is, that all, is, that, is there like a, a routine we need yes, to do? Like, can it. we sing the national anthem or something? We, we can, but, right. but before we do, do you have an Australian nickname? No. You don't have an Australian nickname? I, I, you'd be the first one. Okay, well, what do we think? I don't even know where this wants to go. How, how do you pronounce your last name? Pakulski. Pakulski. Well, I, I think the natural selection of that one would be Packer. But you've got to say it with a bit of, so it's not just Packer, it's Packer. Pa so how you going, Packer? And you really got to- That sounds Australian. That, that's it, yeah. yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Pakulski. Alrighty, now that we have the important stuff out the way, let's get into the fun stuff. So, first question, I can't help but hearing on the interview that you did, I think recently, you said that you're one of the very few A-type personalities in bodybuilding. Uh, meaning I'm, I'm a little bit high strung compared to most bodybuilders. So, um, you know, most bodybuilders, if you've ever, I'm sure you've encountered some, especially the high level ones, are, you know, to speak in your language, very GABA dominant, meaning they're, they're all about the breaks. And, and when they get in the gym, different story, they can, they can get after it, but the rest of their life is very um, chilled out. And it's not me, right? Like, you know, prior, I had, I had this girlfriend who, you know, the irony of life is the blessing and the curse. She brought me much stress, but she also taught me that, uh, hey man, if you want to grow, you better learn to sit on your butt. And so, you know, I'd plan like one, which kind of started my path down understanding these parasympathetic days, which I now write into all my programs. Like you have a day where it's not just rest. It's like 
what can I do to actually activate my parasympathetic nervous system? And as soon as I started introducing that, my, my, my growth was exponential. So, you know, I went from 230 pounds to 270 pounds in five months or something. And like just introducing the, these practices around, um, you know, ultimately bringing down sympathetic tone and imp improving parasympathetic tone. So that almost goes against in some ways of what you would imagine a pro bodybuilder to be, someone who's, who's obviously not yourself, you'd, you'd think it's what that's typical would be, but you're actually saying with a lot of the guys being GABA dominant, they're a bit more the relaxed. Ch the chill out, man. Yeah, so, you, well, the, the case in point, what time did I show up today? Like most bodybuilders are, are, are going on their own schedule. Like I got to eat. Uh, if I have need to eat, unfortunately, I'm going to have to wait. And there's no stress around it. For, for most guys, for, for the guys at the top of the sport, most of them you'll find are very calm very um, kind of methodical in their ways rather than being very racy, very high strung. Would you say it's almost a prerequisite to get to that level or to learn to go into that gear? Is absolutely, it absolutely. I think knowing, you know, having, uh, from the outside perspective, like you would assume these guys are very, you know, very a type A personality, but it's not, it's, they're, they're so chilled out. It was very surprising to me to see once I got there, like everyone, most of them, some guys, I mean, maybe, but most guys are chilled out go at their own pace, wake up when they want to wake up, go to bed when they want to, you know, like there's no, uh, no stress. Would you say that's one of the main differences between say the amateurs and the pros? Is that that approach um, to things? I don't know that it's a main difference between the amateurs and the pros, but I think it would be one of the main differences that if someone wanted to set themselves apart for going from an amateur to a pro, that would be, that's one of the first things I address with all clients, right? It's like putting, putting together a chart of like parasympathetic and sympathetic inputs and go write down all your sympathetic inputs today. So like, what's a stress for you? Even if it's like a second dart, meaning like something, like I stub my toe and I go, who left that weight there? You know, like that's the second dart, that's a sympathetic input. And then how do I balance those out at very least with parasympathetic inputs, meaning like, you know, breathe or meditate or get outside in the sunshine or go to the beach or, you know, the list goes on. You love somebody, hug somebody. Those, those are parasympathetic inputs. Um, so how do I learn to balance those things out? And many people who are uh, aspiring muscle building enthusiasts are very, very um, driven. They're very like, I want to build more muscle. And that sometimes works against them. Mm. Now, for the vo those who don't, who might be watching this on YouTube for the first time or hearing about you, um, how would you describe, because I've been you know, knee deep in looking at all your work and there's so much and there's so many different elements that you bring to the game. What, what is, how, how would you represent yourself or what would you say, like, what is your, your focus? Because it was bodybuilding yeah. and it still so, is in part. But. Yeah, for 20 years I pursued you know, relentlessly with, with focus this idea of being the biggest human being on the planet as far as muscul being muscular. And at one point, toward the end of my career it wasn't the case, but early in my career there was a point where I'm, you know, I was probably the biggest bodybuilder on the planet. You know, if you look at 2012, 2011, 12, 13-ish, um, I made most of the, the bigger guys, you know, I was bigger than most of the bigger guys. Uh, and then once I kind of started to find other aspects of life, like having a family and a business, uh, that was no longer the objective. So I learned how to create, you know, and I'll put this in quotations because it's, it's, a, it's a myth, but balance. Um, so, you know, having kind of transcended this desire to accumulate muscle, I started to realize there was a whole bunch of other things that went into ultimately, you know, my framing of creating your greatest life whatever that means for you is crafting a life, designing a life. Um, so I started looking at all the physical aspects or all the things that go into creating your greatest physical body. And then there's this other piece of all the things that go into creating a, a resilient mind, right? So, uh, or a brilliant mind, I guess. And like, you know, uh, just kind of trying to dissect all those pieces and creating a framework for people that allows them to, to take it away and, and apply it. Because if you just go, hey man, we're gonna create a great body, or hey, we're gonna create a brilliant mind, it's very abstract. But if you can start creating a framework for people where you give them these pillars, like, hey, check these boxes, now all of a sudden it's attainable for people. And so my mission over the last maybe three to five years has been just, first identifying all the pieces and then second like identifying all the people who are an expert in each of these pieces and then um you know helping people be oh, not because i'm anything special it's just because i'm i'm kind of the conduit right i'm the person who has a platform and people listen to me for muscle building and i'm like listen man you're trying to build muscle but you're barking up the wrong tree like you're not checking all these boxes so you can try to build muscle all you want you can work hard all you want but if you're uh, not doing all these other things that are essential you know the best programming in the world as you know is useless it's futile 
because we all know people that work hard that don't make money. We all know people that work hard that don't make, you know, don't build tremendous amounts of muscle. So realizing all those other things that need to go into being your best. So when you say that those other things, what do you classify as other things? Yeah. You know, just looking after the other areas of life? Like, yeah. is, it, is it as simple as well, you're, you're pursuing muscle and then, all right, well, your relationship sucks. Work on your relationship. Is that? Yeah. So. I've created a bit of a framework and, and um, you know, so I've got my six pillars and so anyone looking to build their, their greatest body needs to look at all of these pillars at some level and at some point one may be a bigger outlier than others or a bigger body called bottleneck meaning just holding you back. Um, so you know at six at every point everyone will have to address these six things and training I think is very high on the continuum like your training needs to be very very high on the continuum because Without proper training, you don't build a great body. I think sleep needs to be very high on, on the, the totem pole. I think the autonomic nervous system, so stress and, and the autonomic nervous system management needs to be high on the totem pole. Uh, and then I add nutrition in there and I intentionally don't put it near the top because I think most people overstate the importance of nutrition. I get in a lot of heat for that, but I think when you learn to balance those other three things that come before it, nutrition is actually, it, it, no question it's important, but uh, I think, there's a little bit of a, a little some wiggle room there. Mm. Um, so it's the manifestation of getting the other things right. Right. So, you know, and then I'll finish with my, my statement. And then the last two, uh, you know, mindset and, and uh, mental health. So that includes relationships. That includes just the way you look at look at life. Uh, and the final one being your environment. And I think people overlook your environment, but ultimately we are just filters of our environment. We're always sensing our environment, the light, the air, the the uh, EMFs, like all that stuff is, is, a, is a huge consideration that becomes more and more prevalent the more technologically driven we become. So those are my six pillars of, of a lean, healthy, and muscular physique. Um, and I think at every point, we should be looking to check the boxes of each of them. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's just the way I frame it. And I think um, it's been very successful, but getting back to this topic around nutrition, um, you know as well as anybody, your autonomic nervous system, your sleep and your training impact what you do with your nutrition. So you know, people are like, oh, it's all about macros. Well, no, it's not because if I'm in a stressed state, stress is called you know, the, the, the ultimately fight or flight nervous system and, and the parasympathetic is called rest and digest. So if I'm in a stressed state eating a chicken breast and a, and a piece of broccoli, compared to being in a parasympathetic state eating a piece of chicken breast and a broccoli, it's two completely different things. So I, I don't think nutrition is as black and white as people think it is, right? I think there's a huge consideration there for what is my current internal state and how can I control that, which then you know, impacts the way my body uses my nutrition. So I always say it's not about what you eat, it's how your body uses what you eat and your cognitive state impacts more than anything. You're obviously your, your, GI, your GI tract and microbiome impact that. Your sleep impacts both of those things. Your light exposure impacts those things. So like the things people aren't considering that really go deep into determining whether you're gonna build muscle, whether you're going to lose fat, whether you're gonna be able to have a uh, ultimately a happy life, which is you know the absence of stress, not maybe the absence of stress, but the ability to adapt to stress. Mm. So one question is on your Instagram, it says bodybuilding yogi. Now you are actually a yogi, is that correct? Or not so much, or are you just a, a Oh no, no, you've... dude. Uh, so, I mean, I do yoga. Um, when I'm at home, I do yoga six days a week. Yeah. I've uh, been on the road for a while now, so I don't do it. It's kind of funny to see, right, and to think about. But uh, one, one thing that I'm actually quite good at, typically, maybe not right now, I've done over a month, but is, is mobility. And I think it's a big part of, of muscle building. Um, so when I think yoga, or when you think yoga, what do you think about? Most people think like skinny people uh, being very, very flexible. And that is a part of it. But I think for me, it's about um, not just mobility, but stability. So, uh, and, and obviously the, this term that I've you know, kind of attached myself to is equanimity, mental equanimity. So when I get into a yoga you know, practice, it's going inside myself and making myself extremely comfortable being uncomfortable, like getting into positions that are, for a guy that my size is very uncomfortable or very unstable or very atypical and being able to stay there and be calm. Most people get there and they go like this and you're like, shit. So your brain starts racing and like, how do you, how do you get into these really uncomfortable positions or you know, previously uncomfortable positions and, and calm yourself and, and, and obviously create a serene mind while you're in these unstable or these uncomfortable positions while creating stability. So you'll know 
what's the biggest bottleneck in building muscle? Stability, right? First, it's a skill. Like, do you have the skill of actually doing this thing? Second thing is stability. If you don't have stability, your body literally down-regulates muscle contraction, right? So by adding that component of stability in these end ranges where you typically would be uncomfortable, I think I've added to my ability to, to build and retain muscle with greater joint mobility, with greater joint integrity and less injuries. So that's kind of where that came in, man. And when I, when I left bodybuilding in 2016, 2017 maybe, uh, I really shifted into like this deep dive into, into yoga and understanding yoga and doing it on a really regular basis. Um, it's just over the last maybe six months, um, hasn't been the same seven day practice like it was, but now it's still, you know, when I'm at home, it's still at least every other day. And I've just learned to find a balance between, you know, my family time, my cardiovascular training, my, my weight training, uh, and trying to find this kind of balance of what it looks like to be the new me, which for 20 years was very different than it is now. So let me uh, unpack that a little bit more, because from the outsider looking in, um, you know, and this is for the record, our first conversation that we've, we've uh, yep. had, um, and it's nice that it's on camera. But uh, one of the things that I see is that perhaps the Ben of say 10, maybe 15 years ago, a type sees the wall, goes through the wall. And, and now it's almost, uh, it's, it's, there's the wall there. Oh no, the obstacle is the way. This very Zen approach to life. Sure. So, what is that? First of all, is that a fair? Yeah. Uh, uh, so ten, ten, even less than that. Like five years ago, I probably would have saw the wall and put my head through it, right? I would have run through it, and that was that was maybe my blessing and my curse of being a bodybuilder was, um, you know, I saw that and and I took it upon myself to get angry with it and like tried to use anger as my fuel to propel success, and that's a terrible place to be. And I'll talk about that if you like. Um, but yeah, so now it's, it's this, this acknowledgement that, uh, and I talk about this a lot of time in my podcast too, you know, every human being, or at least most human beings that I, that I am aware of, have some desire to uh, accumulate things, right? We all want to accumulate money, trinkets, uh, muscle, whatever it happens to be, and it's an external journey, right? People are trying to get things outside of themselves and bring them in to make them happy. So we're all, we're all trying to, to, to acquire fulfillment or happiness or whatever you want to define as like your internal satisfaction. Uh, we're all trying to accumulate something outside of ourselves. So for me, it was muscle. And I was like, man, when I get that muscle, when I'm Mr. Olympia, I'm going to be the happiest guy. I'm going to be so fulfilled. I'm going to be so self-confident. And I got there. I was, you know, two, like I say, 293 pounds, absolutely shredded, um, you know, the day before a contest. And I looked at myself, and it was the most insecure I'd ever been. I wouldn't take my shirt off in the gym. You know, 4% body fat, absolutely shredded. And I was very insecure. So you get there, and you're like, okay. Well, why? And I was just one of these fortunate people who was able to accomplish my, it's the idea of like making a hundred million dollars. Like if you make a hundred million dollars, everybody goes, yeah, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. You'd be the same insecure, unhappy person you are now just with more money. So, and that's the same with muscle. And, and when I realized that, uh, I, I looked at myself and it was, it was a very uh, stressful time for me and I ultimately hated my life. Uh, I didn't, I don't like there's aspects of my life that I love, but I realized that I'd spent 20 years trying to accumulate this thing that was, was empty. So I took, I just literally turned the mirror on myself or turned the light on myself and realized that the journey is within. So uh, that's where this kind of transcendence of, of um, external desire to, to accumulate external things came. And there's still, there's still a necessity to have things. Like I still like things. I still like to be able to travel with my family and have money but it's no longer the driving force, right? It's like, how do I create this internal uh, sense of well-being, this internal sense of happiness, uh, this internal, internal joy that exists perpetually? It's not dependent on something outside of myself, right? It's like, how do you create it and let that light that's already inside you shine rather than having to go seek it from something outside of yourself, whether it be a relationship, whether it be money, whether it be muscle, whether it be food, whether it be drugs, it's all bullshit, man. The, the true journey and the true happiness can come from within and you can create it every single day in your mind by waking up every day and creating your mind first before the world creates your, your mind for you, right? And we always talk about, um, you know, most people go out in the world and, and they, they, they're living somebody else's dream. You know, somebody else goes, hey man, come work for me. You can do this and this and this for me. And you're building somebody else's dream because you woke up this morning and you didn't create your dream. You didn't create your mindset before the world created it for you. So wake up every day, get in that, that mental state of, of ultimate meditation and, and get clarity on the person you want to become. Because uh, without that, you can't transcend the life you already live, right? So you're either going to let the world create you or you can create it first in your mind and see one or the other. So, so on that, just as I suppose a, a summary or to add to, 
people watching this, and I imagine there's a lot of people watching this, and perhaps even in our audience right now, is that they've got a goal. And let's say the goal is, you know, they want to win uh, the national title of some powerlifting or bodybuilding show, and they become obsessed. And you know, you start coaching them, and you say, well, the reason why you're not actually achieving your goal is because of that obsession. Is that? Is uh, that I don't not think so that's much, the case. No. no, the reason you're not, so achieving goal achievement is not the problem. Like you, you still want to achieve goals, but realizing the the, go, the the victory is not in the goal or the achievement of the goal. The victory is in the day-to-day, subjecting yourself to the day-to-day challenge, right? So this is why I think muscle building is the most beautiful thing on the planet, or maybe, or strength training or whatever it is. It's because it's your daily battleground to become a better person. So when you're attached to the outcome, there's no victory because you'll win or, or you not win. Say, say you win and then you get there and you're like, oh, well, this isn't quite what I thought. I haven't become something different. My life doesn't change the day I win. And if you don't win, now your self-worth is in the toilet because somebody else that's in bodybuilding, somebody else outside of you said you're not good enough. So now you're placing your self-worth on somebody else's judgment of you. So it's not about the, the, the idea of goal attainment being a problem. It's the idea of overlooking the ascension of the proverbial mountain, right? So I, I've been doing some mountain climbing. You climb the mountain and you don't go to the top of the mountain and go, wow, this is amazing. Everywhere along the mountain, you stop and you go, thank you, right? And you go, wow, this is, this is fucking hard. This is amazing. So rather than going, oh, this is hard, I have to do this. No, like, I get to do this. So the best example was just a few months ago, I climbed a mountain in California and it was a nine hour climb or something and we were climbing to 13,000 feet. And you know, the, the first hour I was fucking dreading it. I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be terrible. My legs were burning. I was like out of breath. I was hot, it was sunny. I was like, God, this is terrible. And then I literally like had this moment of, of instinct and realization where I go, wait, I'm with my two best friends. I'm outside, it's the most glorious day, I have my legs, I have my health, this is amazing. And in that instant, I smiled, and I was like, thank you. And I swear that next eight or seven and a half hours, it felt like I was floating up the mountain. I wasn't in any discomfort, I was in joy the whole time. And just because I made that switch in my brain, and this is one of my quotes now that people often you know, borrow from me, is like, in, in the deepest depths of your hardest hour, your hardest minute, smile knowing you're becoming your greatest self, right? That, that's the objective is like, how do I subject myself to that every single day? So I subject myself to a challenge and you smile. So if for you guys who train, like in the deepest depths of your heart is set, smile because that's your greatest opportunity to become better. That's your greatest obstacle that you've put in front of yourself. That's now like, hey man, I make them getting better. So don't get angry. Don't be like, oh, you know, like I have to do this. Fuck, you get to man, like you're alive. And again, another kind of tangent, um, I, I'm a big fan of a guy named Alan Watts. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, has, he has some amazing YouTube videos if you guys want to watch. And, and he, he just makes this statement around perspective. And you know, everyone's waiting for tomorrow. Everyone's waiting for their life, that, th- this amazing life that they're going to create. You know, the future they're talking about. What's next? What's the afterlife going to look like? How is it going to be bliss? What, are, what if right now is bliss? Like the likelihood of us being alive is like one in trillions t- to one, right? So what if right now is heaven? What if right now is bliss? What if you're waiting your whole life and finally you're getting this chance and the sperm meets the egg and fucking you're happening, you're here. And now we're like, oh, but what's next? Well, no, this is it, man. Like this is your chance. This is your bliss. Fucking live your bliss, create it. And everyone's always waiting for what's next. And that was one of the most amazing opportunities for perspective that I've ever had is like, this is it, man. There's nothing after this. Like, fuck, live, bring joy to this place, bring light to this place, and make everybody live a better life because that's what it's about. Now, you said that um, that's not always how you've lived, but what was the catalyst to make you go? There, there isn't one catalyst, right? There, there's there's uh, this transcendence of external, uh, you know, there, there isn't one event, right? It has to be accumulation events because you can't just have an epiphany. Everyone's always looking for that one thing. What's the one thing that help you put on 100 kilos of muscle or 100 pounds of muscle? Like nothing. It's, it's this process of like every day having the desire to be a better person, to uh, help people, to live from, from a place of joy, to live from a place of love. It, it's this, this perpetual uh, evolution and just the realization it's not an end destination it's already in you man it's who you are right everyone is is this amazing light but for some reason throughout our childhood or throughout our life to this point we've placed meaning on events for for safety to keep us alive that says you know you're inadequate or you're you're uh, not what 
you truly are inside. And, and you know, it makes sense. Like we're building walls around us to keep us safe and keep us protected as children. But uh, you know, long term, like you need to learn to unwind or peel back the layers of the onion to realize, like, and you're already everything you ever need. It's already inside you. You are perfect. You are here. You're present. You're alive. You're walking. Your 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 mind works. And, you know, ultimately life is already the beautiful gift that you're given. Now, I know you're the, quite the student of personal development. I saw that you've had um, John D. Martini, who I've been a student of for many years, um, you know, Alan Watts, Jordan Peterson. You've got a lot of different people who you look at. Is there any processes that you either use personally or use with clients to help create or rewrite your past? Say, for example, the D. Martini process, it's about looking at the benefits of these. You know, so it was a hard childhood. And, sure. Yeah, correct. Is there, is there yeah. anything that you look to and all, go right? Kind of all of them, man. But I think it all starts with um, mindfulness. And that sounds like this abstract term that people throw around. But what is mindfulness? Is paying attention, right? So paying attention to the way you the way you speak, paying attention to the way the words that you use in your mind, paying attention to the words you use with other people, that's mindfulness for me. It's like, you know, how do you sit? How do you stand? How do you talk? Um, how do you walk? Uh, all those things play into this concept of mindfulness, and that starts in meditation, right? How, can I, can I focus right now on a single thing? for anything more than seven seconds, which is a typical per person's attention span, right? It's like, how do I bring my attention to this, to just how I'm sitting? How do I bring my attention to just how I'm breathing? How do I bring my attention to the person that's in front of me and not my phone, right? And that's mindfulness, is like um, looking around and being present, because that's the only way you can begin to change. Without mindfulness, you can't even begin to change. And that's why I've become such an advocate of meditation and breathing, is like, without that, change is impossible. When did you start meditation? I kind of stuck my big toe in in 2007, uh, maybe 2006. Um, so I was going through a hard time and, and ultimately I was prepping for a contest or, or I should, shouldn't say hard time. Like what I believed at the time to be a hard time, looking back on it, it was like, you idiot, like this, this is the greatest time of your life. And that's always the irony of stuff is like, we're always looking for like, I want to win the show, I want to do that thing. And like, fuck, today's beautiful. Like, love this. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I was um, lucky enough and blessed to have this, this man in my life. And, and um, ultimately he was my massage therapist or what I thought he was my massage therapist. Um, he was an osteopath. And uh, at the time I was kind of asleep and, and proverbially. And um, he's, you know, we started talking about stuff and he was just this guy who had his shit together. You know, four kids, successful business, uh, really articulate, really great outlook on life. I was like, man, like just talking to you makes me feel better. I leave him his place every day feeling better. And, uh, he, you know, I'd ask him like, how? And he goes, well, you know, what are you doing to develop your mind? Well, nothing. Like, well, what, are you, what book are you reading now? Not. Well, why not? Like, you know, every day that goes by that you're not developing your mind, you're ultimately regressing. So he gave me a book. Um, it was a book by Wayne Dyer. And, uh, you know, just kind of getting the idea of becoming present and uh, literally my life in that moment, I was like, oh, this is what I need. I was going through so much internal turmoil, how the definition I put on it. And it was um, just like stress over my situation or my inability to mentally ha be able to cope with my situation. And you know, he just said, well, sit down and meditate, man. And I didn't know what that meant. And I was like everybody else, fidgety and uncomfortable and like sitting at 300 pounds, like sitting on my legs. I'm like, God, this is terrible. My back started to hurt. Um, and uh, realize that that's the meditation right that's that's the joy of it that like sitting in in discomfort and pain is meditation because why like it's it's the same idea of that time in my life i was going through this this hard time well that meditation is is your immediate opportunity to sit through that hard time right it's like if your legs hurt if your back hurts if you can't if you want to scratch that itch like don't and find the joy in it and find the realization that like your nervous system is there to keep you alive and keep you safe and um, like thank you like thank you for this awareness of this position or thank you for the awareness of this discomfort and then eventually breathing it in and it goes away you're like oh so what is pain right what is what is the itch it's just some manifestation of your nervous system you are in control of your nervous system right we have a body we are not a body we're a consciousness and if we can learn to um, be aware of our body and, and guide our body. It can be this beautiful experience. Um, so, you know, most people aren't um, e even willing to become mindful enough to, to be aware of that. 
Hey folks, hope you're enjoying this interview with BPAC Ben Pakowski. While you're at it, make sure you subscribe to us if you're watching this on YouTube to get more great interviews just like this one and also leave us a review if you're listening to this on iTunes. While you're at it, check out my Wolfpack program. It's for trainers who wanna go from good to great, giving you everything from training, nutrition, and the business practices to really elevate your business to the next quantum realm. So that one's at www.personaltrainermentoring.com you can download a couple of freebies that I've got there if you just check out the website there. Let's get back to it. This interview is absolutely a slobber knocker. See you on the other side. And now you, when you uh, went to university, did kinesiology and you finished as a qualified kinesiologist. Did you ever practice as kinesiologist? No? no, when I finished school, I um, got a job as a pharmaceutical sales rep and decided that I wanted to get in good shape so I could look like a stud in my suit. I ultimately just wanted to you know, make money and be with women and uh, <laughs> um, and so I was like I gotta, get, I gotta get in shape and I got in shape and I was like well I need, I need a goal to do my to do to get in shape so I set a goal to do a show and I did a show and I won I did another show three weeks later and I won and I was like oh it's kind of cool I'll do another one six uh, six months later and I won and then people started paying me to work out so it's like okay well let's move to California and make this a thing and I always loved bodybuilding but I didn't think like you never think you're ready right I never thought I was I was quite ready so I was like oh you know just keep going and, and and then at that point, I was like, now I'm going to win no matter what I do. Um, so that's where the switch kind of happened. I always just love training. And I, I talk about this all the time. Like, I never said I was a bodybuilder because I never thought I was a bodybuilder. I was like, dude who likes to work out. Uh, and then, you know, things happened quick. I started getting paid to work out and I just loved it. But then when you turn pro, it's like, you know, you go from the top of the amateurs to the bottom of the pros. And I realized, like, unless I get really good at this stuff, I don't stand a chance. And I was obsessed, like you talk about, I was obsessed, man. Like I, I, needed to, I, I needed to do everything possible to be the best in the world, and that was my vision. Like I will be the best in the world. So that's where the relentless like, obsession with accumulating, accumulating knowledge and, and accumulating the ability to work and you know, all these things kind of added up to my uh, knowledge base and my desire to uh, figure out my mind. Because my mind was always my weakest link, right? My, my, my physical ability was probably great um, but my mental ability was always hard like I struggled to, to um, challenge myself I hated training like I, I didn't like being uncomfortable I grew up as like an overweight lazy kid right family of alcoholics nobody ever graduated high school everybody was obese so I didn't come from like motivated people or like you know army people and driven and like very proper I'm like I was none of that shit I played video games and ate Doritos that was my life so how do you turn that into um, you know, your greatest asset was because I had pain, man. I, I, I sucked. Like, I was lazy. I, I hated the, the hard work. But I also hated the fact that I knew I was lazy. So that, that drove me to be like, no, like, I will not be lazy. Like, what do I have to do to not be lazy? And that was what drove that chip on my shoulder that ultimately propelled success. So success. with the kinesiology background, did that paint or change the lens of how you approached your training or anything? In yeah, so at 17 years old, I took uh, an incredible... Um, desire to um, to learn, right? I just wanted to learn everything I possibly could about building muscle because I loved it so much. So that's why I ended up getting kinesiology. And uh, so I, I've always just had this desire to, um, to understand the process. So I don't know that the degree itself had any, I mean, obviously had many positive uh, ad, uh, or, uh, additions to my life, but I don't know that it was the greatest catalyst. It was, you know, gave me anatomy knowledge. It gave me some physiology knowledge. But for the most part, as many people will know, like you almost have to end up unlearning what you learned in school when you actually want to go into the application of it because you're learning to, to, you know, this rote memorization skill from a textbook, but you're not learning any application. So, um, you know, the anatomy was beneficial, the physiology was beneficial, but um, like actual application of the stuff, it was almost like relearning it all. Now going into the next, I suppose, part of this interview is talking about your business and slash life. When I've been researching you online, listening to a lot of your podcasts, I've noted that, you know, you've got the MI40 program, mm -hmm. you've got the MI40 gym, you've got the MI40 nation, uh, you've got your courses, which you travel all around the world for, mm -hmm. you've got your your muscle camps, you've done, I think, two documentaries that I've seen, um, maybe more that I haven't, uh, a wife, three kids, and a lot of this was done, built when you were competing. And yeah, you stand uh, very centered, very grateful, very, whereas, you know, it's very common for other people who've, who've built and have these different arms of their businesses, including myself, to get quite overwhelmed and let, I suppose, the river run wild. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, have there been, I suppose, in, have there been times where, 
you've you've gone off on track and what has brought you back and is it is it easy now today i mean are the businesses self-managed uh like how does your time it's never easy man and i don't think there's anything there's any such thing as going off track i think it's all uh, a part of the process right every every step is a step in the right direction for what you need to learn right now so for me it, it's never it hasn't been a straight line it hasn't been like uh, um, you know easy but it's always what you prioritize you become you know so uh, if, if I want if I realize my biggest pain in my life is my ability to be present in love and uh, well then I need to make that a priority right and, and that's all it is is when I was uh, an aspiring bodybuilder, I realized my greatest pain come from, came from my inability to control my mind or my laziness. So I made that a strength, and then you make that a, just just by focusing on it for a long time. You know, the greater the pain, the greater the focus ultimately, or the greater the motivation. So you know, now my after having left bodybuilding and get to the, you know the top of the bodybuilding world, I realized my um, biggest pain was no longer my physical body, it was now my mental ability to, to love life and be present and be a great parent and be a great husband and uh, just a great human being. So, you know, like everything else in life, you just shift your focus there and you go, well, now I'm going to spend my time being better at this. And when you do something, you, you do it, right? You go all in and you go, okay, like, how can I accumulate this knowledge and these skill sets? to uh, make this no longer the bottleneck in my life. Like I want to be able to push through this and you'll find the thing that, that most resonates with you and pulls you rather than you know uh, having to push yourself, it'll pull you. And so for me, I, I feel this desire now to shift away from the physical journey. Although I, I love the physical journey, I think it's a huge part of the transcendence of the mental journey because it's your daily battleground, right? Most people, where else in life do you get an opportunity in life to, to um, Put yourself in front of an opportunity for discipline like discipline is the is the gateway to progress so how where else in life do you get that so whether strength training or or, or or weight training or any type of athletic endeavor is the opportunity daily to say to to develop your character right like am i the type of person who says something and does it well yes or no right like if you want to develop that character just you know i, I say this in, in all of my talks is like you need three to five daily opportunities for discipline to win the day. And if you write them down the night before and you go one, two, three, four, five, check them off, you win the day. And now I'm, I'm building self-confidence, I'm building self-worth, I'm building a belief in myself that I'm the type of person that will get it done. And all of a sudden, gosh, now I'm a supremely confident person. And I don't do it every day. Like most days I, I do, but I don't do it every day. Uh, but I know like things get in the way, family gets in the way, kids get in the way. Like if I'm trying to sit down and write my journal at six in the morning, my daughter wakes up and I'm not gonna be like, hey baby, like go over there, I need to write my journal, like shit gets in the way. Um, but you do your best as many times, you know, without making excuses. We all make excuses, but you do your best to um, kind of set yourself up for discipline and develop the inner character, the inner knowing that I get shit done, man. I'm the person when I say something, it's going to get done. Now you believe in yourself, right? It's like people who cheat on their diet. Nobody gives a shit if you cheat on your diet. You give a shit. Like if, if I have a client and they don't want to tell me that they had a cheeseburger, I'm like, man, why would I care if you have a cheeseburger? Nobody cares. The only person that should care is you. And like, why would you let yourself down like that? If you have a goal, fucking do it. Because you're the only person that cares. And, and when you do it and you follow through and you know inside that I'm the type of person that do it, does it, what just happens to your self-confidence? All of a sudden you're sitting up a little straighter. All of a sudden you're a little more confident. All of a sudden now I'm, I'm willing to go out and make that, that big dive and that huge goal that nobody else is willing to do because I have the self-confidence to know that I'm going to follow through, man. I'm going to set a huge goal because no matter what, I'm not going to stop. That's a, that's a character trait that we can all develop with just that, those daily little victories, that daily little discipline. So what I'm really getting from you is that the, you have the raging fire of obsession to get shit done, but it's also tempered by calming yourself down, listening to you, because I mean, life is noisy, right? Now, can I imagine on your well, Instagram? It shouldn't with, be, man. It should be, it's, it's the idea of reactivity versus responsiveness, right? Like if you can calm down your mind, so like think of your mind like the, the gears in a car, right? If I'm always in fifth gear and I'm always revving the engine high, things around you are just moving too fast. Your brain's going too fast, you can't pay attention. So if I slow myself down every morning when I get up, now all of a sudden things move slowly. I can see things, I can hear things, I can feel things, I can be creative, I can pay attention to stuff. Now I know which direction it to go. Rather than just going through life with blinders on, going fast, it's, it's moving with intent 
but in a focused way. And I can pay attention to everything now. I can hear people, I can feel things, I can feel myself, and I know which direction to go just intuitively, right? Rather than just, most people are going through life ultimately asleep. They got the radio on all the time, they got always talking because they you know, don't want to hear what's going on in their mind, they're always doing something. Like, if you're that person, this is what you need to do. You need to slow down, right? And, and that's another one of my statements that people like to t quote me on is like, if you can't, therefore you must. So if you can't do, I can't meditate. Think about it. Like, if you can't slow down, if you can't think, if you can't set a goal and achieve it, you better make that your priority, right? Whatever it is that you can't do is the very thing that you must do. So, like, let's say, for example, um, you've got a student or whoever, they're caught up in, you know, the Instagram world, emails, business, training. It, it, this, the first thing, perhaps, I don't know, it would be getting them to slow down and meditate. Is that the first part you go to or? Uh, no, not even. I think that for most people that, that's another step down the line because I think the idea of telling you guys to meditate, like, yeah, I want to do it. You'll do it for one day and won't do it again. I think it's breathing. So everybody right now, just like whether you're listening or whether you're sitting here, like take a breath. How long can you make that breath? How much can you pay attention to what's actually happening in that breath? The expansion of your rib cage, the contraction of your diaphragm, like can you feel that? And where do you feel? And then pay attention to, to like the, the sensation of sitting, right? How does it feel to sit? Like feeling your, your uh, contact with the seat, feeling your posture, feeling the tone in your muscles, feeling the heat in your body, the way the air conditioning hits your body, uh, the muscle tone in your face, the muscle tone in your neck and your body, like just start paying attention to that stuff. And that's step one, right? Mm -hmm. It's like just fucking sit there. And if it's a couple times a day and you may only have awareness a few times a day, but take that awareness and use it as an opportunity to go. And you can do it when you're driving, you can do it when you're sitting, you can do it when you're at the gym. Like, and that's why another reason I love the way that I train now is it's literally this opportunity to become mindful, right? Connect, feel, don't do, don't do, feel, right? It's, it's not just about doing, it's about like paying attention to the body and feeling your, your positions and feeling the way your muscles contract and just ultimately becoming present uh, and then taking that and going, now I can take this muscle and I can just hammer it because I'm so focused on it, rather than just going in the gym, putting your music up as high as possible and fucking you know, working hard. If you're working hard, you're, you're turning your brain off. Like it's like putting the music up really loud. It's not a bad thing. Sometimes we like to listen to music and sing, but at the same time, sometimes we just want to connect with our self and become present in that moment. And uh, that I think is the gateway to you know, the first step anyway, so, so present, being present, breathing, and can you just pay attention to stuff? And practically, when you've grown your businesses to the point they are now, whether it's the gym or the programs, you've brought other people into heads of department managing these things, and they, they share a similar mindset, I'd assume? It's amazing how when I was really focused on muscle and like just the, the, what I call the X's and O's, like sets and reps and volume and load, I brought very particular people into my life who are really good at that stuff. And now that I've kind of um, started to become aware of all the other things that go into living this great life, such different people, like amazing people who have great hearts and great intention and uh, you know, full of love and, and sincerity who make me better. So like now my team is not just people who are like good at processes, it's no way. It's like these incredible human beings that are making me better. Every time I interact with them, I'm like, I feel literally blessed to be like, oh my gosh, I just want to give you a hug because I'm so grateful for the energy you brought to this room today, for the, for the presence you brought. It sounds weird, but like everyone who's in my life right now, or, you know, most people, not all, but most are, are just adding to my life, you know, rather than taking away, which is such a beautiful thing, man. And I wake up every morning and before I even open my eyes, I'm grateful and I start, in, I start in this little circle, the bullseye and I expand outward like when I start in the circle, I mean literally like my daughter's often laying right beside me so I'm gonna start with being grateful for her and then my wife and then my sons and then like just building the circle and going, God, these people impact my life and I'm so blessed to be able to sit here with you guys and, and talk about all these businesses and talk with you and like be in Australia and like wake up and be grateful for the sun and the air and the fuck, like people are, I just, it's such an amazing feeling. Like if you can create gratitude in your nervous system, like bring that to every situation in life, right? Take a second and just create that circle and you're bringing this emotion of gratitude and then it's actually real, right? You can feel it and you can pass it to everybody. You guys can feel it on me. And like, that, that's a, a cool thing to bring to life, man, is um, you know, bringing that emotion and, and a true sense of gratitude. Because so then people will bring it to you. You were talking before about how you started as a kid 
um, from probably a, a, not a disadvantage, but it was behind the eight ball, in, in so to speak, in terms of uh, you know, let's say knowing about business. Yeah. Be fair to say. Sure. Um, so you've built you've built a successful business. People come to see you. Become uh, I suppose a you know a go-to guy in terms of muscle building. I noted one of the stories that you told in one of your interviews was that the supplement companies came to you, I think it was 2008, and said, name a price, gave you a contract, and then five months, six months later, they've pulled it. I was wondering, was that an instigator for you to go, right, I need to get good at this business stuff, I need to protect myself, it, this can happen in the future? Yeah, it was. So um, it just gave me an awareness of like, okay, so I'm not in control of anything. Like. No matter how good I am, no matter how well I perform, or how much value I think I bring to this company, there's things outside of their control and my control that mean at any moment they could take it away from me. So when my girlfriend at the time, now wife, got pregnant, I, I, it, that, that realization was very present in my mind to realize like, okay, you're, you're doing okay to support one person, but you're not doing okay to support four. So I went from one to four, because my wife already had a son, so I went from you know, supporting myself and being this you know, bodybuilding, uh, whatever, in single guy, uh, to now supporting a family of four. And I was like, okay, well you can't depend on that money over there, because tomorrow it could be gone. So if you want to be a responsible human, you better start learning business more than you, you're learning this body thing. So it was like, it was built out of necessity, um, like the business was literally started out of necessity, like, okay, I, I need to take control of this. Uh, but the evolution of it was, you know, ultimately just because uh, when I start something, typically I love what I do. And the obsession comes from like, well, okay, now I'm impacting a few thousand people, but how do, or maybe if, whatever, but how do I take it to a few million people? So that's the obsession now that drives me, you know, like I set the goal for this year to read one book a week and it's 52 business books. It's not 52 muscle building books, which, you know, may or may not be the right decision, but I just want to learn, you know, I understand that um, if you're going to impact more people, you have to learn to expand the vision and you have to expand the culture and building that culture is such a big part of, you know, creating an awesome business like you have here, right? It's like you've created a culture where people come here because, not because of who you are and what you teach them, but because of the energy you bring to, to it, the belief system you have, the person you are. And I think that's a big part of business and that's what I'm learning. It's like, what are all those facets that go into building, you know, worldwide enterprise? Stealing your, yeah, your name. I like it. Yeah. Um, it's trademarked though. Yeah. So where did you start? Where, where did you start in your business journey? Like, was it a book? Was it a mentor? Did you sign up for a course? Uh, uh, so yeah, it was, it was Vince Delmani, man. Like, oh. so in 2011, um, he hired me, like right before I, my wife got pregnant, he hired me to train him for a contest. He, you know, we went to college together and uh, we knew each other very vaguely in college, like in passing, we'd be like bar buddies, you know? And uh, so he calls me, he goes, hey man, I'm doing the WBFF World Championships. You know, I just, I just watched your movie on, t on, on like an airplane or something. And uh, he goes, I, I, lo I, like, I love what you're doing, would you teach me? And I was like, sure man. And he had an online business um, and you know, I trained him for the contest. He, I don't know if he, didn't win the show, or maybe he did win the show. I think he won the, sh won the show. He did a few shows. We did a few shows together. And he goes, dude, you realize like nobody in the world is talking about this stuff. Like, where did you learn this stuff? And I was like, I don't know, man. It's what I do. He goes, you need to teach people this. And it just happened to be at the same time where my wife got pregnant. And I was like, perfect. You know, tell me what I got to do. So Vince was really my mentor, man. And, and he's an amazing guy and, and comes from this amazing family and has an amazing heart. Um, so he was my mentor in like the first two years of business. We were partners. Um, and uh, he kind of guided my thought process. I was like, how did you learn this stuff, man? Like, he's like, well, this. I was like, okay. So that was kind of my first business mentor. And then, you know, he instilled in me, if you want to grow as a person, you reinvest 10% of your income in yourself. So reinvest 10% of your income in, in business growth or personal development. So every year ever since, it's at least that much, often more now in, in books and courses and, and mentorships and, and, and masterminds. Um, just because like, you got to pay to play, man. If you want to be around great people, if you want to become great, you have to be around great people. So uh, that's a big part of my journey now is, is, and it's, it's, it's really selective. You guys know, like picking who you want to be around, not just from a knowledge perspective, but from a like, I want to be like that person perspective. Like there's many people out there who are making hundreds of millions of dollars who are pissed off, unhappy and angry and would rather trade places with any of you guys. Um, so there's, there's a lot of levels to it. It's not just about money, right? It's about you know, how do we create a, an awesome business that impacts millions of people while still being this grounded, uh, level-headed, happy, joyful, fulfilled man, 
ultimately. Mm. Where did BPAC come from, the nickname? Funny dude, like my, my whole name, my nickname growing up was PAC, like people called me PAC, but BPAC, the most ridiculous thing that stuck was I was in New York in 2010 at the New York Pro. And do you guys know Jose Raymond, the bodybuilder? Mm -hmm. So he's a 212 bodybuilder and it's the first time I met him. Uh, and his girlfriend at the time, uh, she's like, hey, we were going to the gym or something. Jose and I were going to the gym. And uh, she, he calls her on speakerphone and goes, hey, I'm at the gym with Ben Pakulski. And she goes, what, BPAC? <laughs> first time I ever heard it. And it, forever it stuck. I don't know, that's the only way. Yep. One of, one of the things, I mean, you've accomplished so much. And one of the things I see with achievement, especially people who want to grow a business is setting goals and achieving them create, uh, I suppose, an inertia or plateau in achieving the goal. Meaning that, let's say if you have uh, $10 and you, you get an extra dollar, that's 10% of your, your, your worth. And it's like, well, you're really motivated for that. Or if you're, you have $10 and someone offers you $1,000, you're super motivated. But the more you achieve and the more, I suppose, money in this metaphor that you make, the less motivated you are to earn, say, a dollar or $10. If you've got, say, a million dollars in the bank, well, then $10 isn't really that valuable to you. I use that as a metaphor to pre-frame this question, which is you've achieved so much in bodybuilding, you've achieved so much in life with your businesses going around, you've got that. What, what is the fire there for you keeping you? I know you said before about gratitude, but is it, is it, is it that simple or is there an X factor? Uh, so I guess the question is, and I say this to most people, like and as, as a successful business owner, you probably can relate to this, is who's your worst critic? Of you. Right, yeah, yourself. So, when you say like, hey man, here's all the things you've accomplished, it's in one ear out the other. And I'm like, well, I've done some cool things and I'm super grateful for what I've been able to accomplish, but I don't, think, I don't focus on all these things that I've accomplished. I focus on all the things that I want to accomplish. And it's always been my blessing and my curse as a bodybuilder. Like people will be like, dude, your legs are great. And I'd be like, yeah, but I can do like that. Like I'd walk off stage and some people would go ask the judges, like, what can I do better? And I'd be like, I already know what I gotta do better. Like I, I, I know more than you guys do. Mm. So there's always like, you know, from the outside, it looks like there's all these great things, but on the inside, my brain just goes to, well, that needs to be a little bit better. I could be a little bit better with that. I'd like to be a little bit more scheduled with that. And, you know, my big bottleneck right now, like you guys, I'm transparent with the world and I try, because it will be a strength of my scheduling. Like when you get really busy, you, you know, the, the, the um, sometimes um, blessing and curse of entrepreneurialism is um, be careful what you wish for, right? Because when it happens, it comes like a, like a dump of water, like a, like a barrel of water. And it's, you know, standing in front of a, of a fire hose trying to take a drink. It's like mm. so many things coming at you. You're like, what do I say yes to? What do I say no to? Uh, and then you're trying to balance family and physical physicality and, and business. And you're like, you have so many things. So be careful what you wish for, because when it comes, it's hard. Um, and, and learning to balance uh, schedule. So create a schedule, you gotta schedule everything and I'm not good at it. I hired somebody recently to do it. I'm like, here, just when I wake up in the morning, I expect an email that says, do all these things in this order. Like, and then you gotta create somebody you trust because there's so like scheduling this stuff and like, it's, it's hard, man. And you end up running into problems like on the way here, which now I've got a 3.30 appointment. It's like, okay, I've got, you know, like so many things that happen that get in the way. And if I'm doing it myself, I tend to give my, my time and attention to every single person I meet, which is maybe my greatest blessing in life or my greatest asset because people see, feel my sincerity in wanting to help. But at the same time, now I've got an appointment that I just missed 30 minutes ago because I'm giving you too much time and attention. So, you know, the first person's happy, second person's pissed off, can't win. Um, so you have to learn to just schedule and be ruthless with your scheduling and, and be able to say no to the things that aren't really contributing to your big picture vision, right? And there's, there's a great book called The One Thing and it says exactly what that is. It's like, pick that one thing and say no to everything else because if your one thing in this world is your greatest contribution to humanity, you're doing a disservice to, to the world to not focus on that. Like if you're focusing on like moving your furniture and doing your laundry and, and making your breakfast, well, that's time I'm not investing to the, your, your greatest value. And you get that with Martini stuff. It's like cut away everything else. You can just focus on this because this is your greatest contribution to the world. And that's your greatest contribution to humanity, which you need to spend, you, know, you owe it to yourself and the world to spend all of your time on that. So cut away everything else. Um, how many staff do you have? Uh, Last year I was as high as 12. I ended up doing some pretty big cutbacks. I've got uh, eight, maybe eight, eight. And that's it. They're at the gym. I was spread around. I've got some people. So I've got some, some that are remote uh, employees. Then I've got some of the gym as well. Yeah, awesome. Switch. Actually, including the gym, there'd be more than eight. So. Right. Yep. And is it multiple partnerships in the gym, or is it just you? Your... Just myself. Yeah. yeah. And my uh, wife. 
Switching gears, talk about nutrition. You said something about 23andMe genetic testing, or not really nutrition, but on the topic of getting into that area. Um, you, you've done it, but you said 50% of the time the tests are incorrect. I hope I'm not misquoting yeah, you. That's just, yeah, that's a quote. That, I don't know that as definitive, but from what I've seen, all the even the geneticists say that sometimes the information isn't completely accurate or isn't complete, and I'm not an expert, so I, I don't know that I could comment. Okay. But you still used it and find value? Yeah, I think um, anytime you're getting an objective value rather than a subjective measure, like it makes a lot of sense to, to go off of it, right? So, and I'll often like try to match them up. So I'll do my DNA test and then I'll do what, I don't know if you guys have it over here, like a NutriVail, uh, which is like just basically looking at all your metabolic pathways and looking if they match up. So like an organic acid test? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, do, do, does what it, say, what it says, uh, genetically match what's actually happening uh, with the organic acid test. And you know, honestly, most of the time it's pretty darn close. So uh, it's pretty interesting to see, like if I'm deficient in one pathway or, or you know, lack the enzyme for one pathway genetically, 95% uh, of the time it's gonna match up with your, with your organic acid test. So you learn to just compensate nutritionally. So you're using a lot of labs, like if I was a client or a client came to you, at what labs would you, would you run? Um, just DNA, blood, and, and organic acid, pretty much, man. Sometimes we'll do stool if you've got some, some gut stuff, but most people don't love playing in their stool, so you know, leave it in the toilet, and um, so we just do the blood. And, and if someone has stress problems, we'll do, uh, we can do you know, cortisol or we do hair. I know, that, I know you speak to a lot of great people on your podcast. Uh, what's new for you in terms of the world of supplementation, nutritional training, and like, what are you playing with uh, now? Not much, man. Supplementally, uh, I, I'm really about the basics. And I use supplements, like the way I frame the business is like, you know, most people live below baseline, meaning they've got gaps to fill in. So the way I use supplements, just like fill in the gaps, man. Fill in the, bring yourself up the baseline. So then you can, you can look at, you know, once you're at baseline, then and only then can you start looking at, well, now I got to optimize my body and then I got to perform and then I got to build muscle. It's this kind of pyramid that we speak of. Uh, but as far as supplements go, man, there's very few things. Like I, I love, um, you know, I love uh, Alpha GPC was one that like I use every day. I think most people should use that. And I use just your basic stuff like your magnesium, uh, methylated B vitamins, uh, fish oil, collagen. Those are kind of like your five, like use these every day. Um, but the big thing that I'm focusing on not supplementally is the autonomic nervous system, man. If you're not paying attention to that, you're not performing. Like you're not nowhere, you're nowhere near your, your, your capacity if you're not paying attention to that, whether you're a strength athlete or a bodybuilder or someone just looking to optimize their physique or optimize their mind. If you're not paying attention to your autonomic balance, you're not anywhere near your, your capacity. So that needs to be included in every training plan, regardless of what type of athlete that you're, yeah. regardless of what type of person you are really. Yeah. Where, uh, where does the kinesiology fit in? I mean, are you doing any muscle testing with, with supplementation or? No, so kinesiology in Canada isn't actually any muscle testing. Okay. So uh, it's just really the, the, well, I mean, it is in the higher levels, but it's just the exploration of movement. It's more like biomechanics. Um, so that's what that fits in. Has, has your view around nutrition supplementation changed in the last two years? Yeah, so like yourself, and, and you know, we're both students of Charles, and Charles is a big uh, advocate of like, if you've got this problem, you gotta take this supplement. And you realize that sometimes those supplements are causing more harm than good. Um, so I've just become a minimalist, man. Like people are like, what do you travel with? I was like, collagen and fish oil. <laughs> like that, really, that's it. And, and that's, that's one of my best learning points for the last few years is like, if you're taking in a lot of animal protein, you need, you need to replace glycine and collagen as well, because there needs to be a synergy. If there's, a, there's a guy named Chris Masterjohn, he's a brilliant guy, who talks about a uh, one to three ratio of collagen to meat protein, animal protein. And he, talk, he gives specific mechanisms around methionine and why it needs to be balanced that way. So that's something I've added in and it feels so much better. Like it, as a heavy training bodybuilder, there's uh, you know, a lot of wear and tear in your joints, your, your soft tissues. And as soon as I started adding glycine and collagen in those ratios, your body feels great. Right. Yeah, great. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, any brands in particular recommend? I know I use the collagen from Designs for Health. We get that in. That's uh, great stuff. Um, doing my own. You got your own? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not yet. It's yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah. So I've actually combined greens and collagen just because right. I think it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful combination. Most people need it. And it's a really simple formula of greens. Tastes amazing. Uh, and collagen. I actually added it in my coffee. Like, so if you know everyone's doing like the Bulletproof coffee, yeah. I'll put MCT and collagen and, and greens in. And it's like... Speaking Lovely. of Charles, uh, he'd always come here and you know measure someone's hamstring and say, "Oh, you're fat," and Australia has the worst sign <laughs> of estrogens in the world, and blah blah blah. So I suppose with that question, um, what what things do you look at? Because I know you interviewed that guy on glyphosate. Glyphosate. Yeah. Uh, glyphosate. Um, 
and you know, it was a lot of great takeaways from that that podcast, which I highly recommend everyone check out. Uh, what supplements is it? Is it Crucera? Oh, that's from Thorn, but the sulforaphane, DIM, is, is it these type of things that you for removing xenomorphs? Yeah, yeah, or protection yeah. from the sure, yeah. Um, sulforaphane is, is usually my go-to and saunas really like so making sure you're getting really good you know quality food like lots of vegetables make sure you're supporting methylations the detox pathways and saunas like i think saunas is it's just your body's natural detox mechanism right so you've got uh urine stool and sweat and that's it man so like support those drink more water take more fiber and and, and sweat more like that's exercise and sauna you know talking so, about infrared just standard sauna i think both of them are useful i, I don't know that i've ever seen I know charles talked about infrared being better but i don't know that i've ever seen any data on infrared being any better um, then as for like detox pathways, they talk about it, but you know, I don't, I have never seen I spoke seen to Mark Schaus about this and he yeah. said all the papers are on normal sauna, not infrared. Uh, I do kind of understand where people say, if you do have breast implants or breast augmentation, don't use an infrared sure. because sure. that can- it's leak, yeah. Yeah, correct. Um, is there a supplement you can't live without? No, man, I, and that's funny. I lived my life since the time I was 16 years old with some strange um, focus on like, if there's anything I can't live without, I need to live without it. So, you know, I used to kind of cycle through, sometimes I'd wear a belt and sometimes I wouldn't. And sometimes I'd wear headphones and sometimes I wouldn't because the idea of dependence on anything, growing up in a family that was dependent on everything outside themselves, I had some strange awareness, literally as early as seven years old, of like, I don't want to depend on anything. So I would intentionally not like bring my belt or I'd intentionally not bring my headphones or I'd intentionally not bring my supplements. Like, you don't need to depend on anything, you know? Like, you, Will you die if you don't have multivitamin for a week or greens for a week? No, like cycle through things. And we're meant to live in a cyclical manner, right? Like there's all, there should always be winter, there should always be spring, there should always be summer, you know, metaphorically and literally, even though we don't really have it here, but we have, we have seasons, right? So, um, I mean, it is what it is. We have seasons of life and we have seasons of, of, of food. And, and I think that's the same way I frame my nutrition, right? It's like, if it's not sunny outside, I probably don't eat a lot of fruit. You know, I'll probably eat a lot of meat and a lot of fats. And if it's sunny outside, well, I'll shift into eating more carbohydrates because the vitamin D is going to allow your body to use more car carbohydrate effectively. And uh, there's tons of interesting research around that. But that just seems to make the most sense to me intuitively, like eat with the seasons, eat with the weather, eat with the sun. Yeah, not just eat like a laboratory. Well, and I did, yeah. and I did for many years, right? And, and that served its purpose. But mm -hmm. I realized how dysfunctional I was and how unhealthy I ultimately became because of all those things. And, you know, did, is that what allowed me to become better? Maybe, but could I have done it in a more intelligent way, had less discomfort, less ultimate di you know, dysfunction? For sure, no question, I could have been way better if someone had said, hey man, like, you need to help me with, or I, I'll help you with this. Like, and it's funny, so I started at 18 years old, at 17, my first year of university, looking for this one guy who could like guide me in all these things, like someone who could teach me how to eat, how to think, how to train, and I couldn't find him, and, and they didn't exist. And, and I ended up finding Charles and, and Milos that way, and they both become very good friends. Um, but those were the two guys that I first looked to as being the most intelligent guys in, in the sport of bodybuilding and, and kind of became my mentors, people that I looked to for to answering those questions. And that's maybe why I've kind of tried to, to model myself after them and, and uh, to become that guy. So if anyone wants to build their greatest body, they're like, you got to go see that guy. Mm. Now, I know you've got so much great information to share. We could speak to you all day. But one of the games, I suppose, that I like to play with all my guests is the one word game or word association. I'm not good sentence. at this stuff. I'm not good so at this stuff, but I'll try. If, if I say, say, superhero, you might say Spider-Man, for example. If, so, if, as you can tell, I'm not a one word kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can say a few more words, but we'll try and keep it nice and tight. So uh, favorite Australian city. So wait, I need to say one word. Yeah. <laughs> one slash a sentence. I'm in Melbourne. How yeah, can exactly. I set you up for that? <laughs> exactly. Uh, favorite bodybuilder? Uh, Dorian. Bodybuilding mags? Flex. Favorite supplement? Alpha GPC. Least favorite supplement? Uh, casein protein. Respected peer? Uh, Dr. Jordan Shallow. Uh, mentor? Um, good question, mentor. Don't know if I have one right now. I need one. Um, well, so Wayne Dyer. Uh, protein powders. Do you want to type or just yes or no? What, Whatever what comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite athlete. Uh, wow. Um, 
Sidney Crosby. Who's that? Hockey player. Yeah. Uh, he's just a, he's a hockey player who's got this incredible work ethic and this mentality. He's the best hockey player in the world, but he's unbelievable. Comfort food. Peanut butter. A food you hate. Vegemite. <laughs> totally agree. We're at a bar. What are we drinking? Jack Daniels. Probably water now, but in college it was Jack Daniels. Uh, favorite exercise? At the moment. Deadlifts. Least I was going to say curling in the squat rack. but <laughs> Least favorite exercise? Uh, shoulder press. Uh, a must-read book for every fitness professional. Fitness professional. Um, anything by Joe Dispenza. A must-read book, resource, or course for business. Uh, Russell Brunson. Podcast. He's, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say he's yeah. got two yeah. books: uh, .com Secrets and Expert Secrets. Yeah. Podcast you listen to. Ben Greenfield. Dave Asprey, Tim Ferriss, uh, and then some other obscure ones. I don't listen to podcasts, I listen to people. So if there's like a, a thing I'm fascinated with right now, I'm gonna go find what that, everything that person's done. So like if I'm trying to learn the autonomic nervous system, there's particular people I'm gonna find, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like search them on iTunes and listen to everything they've done. So I don't usually listen to podcasts. I, I mean, I do, but. Yeah, just the way you select is different. Um, something you would like to see more of Kindness. Something you'd like to see less of? Uh, incompetence. <laughs> a movie? Uh, Rocky. Nice. A it's hobby? my kid's favorite movie. Hobby. Um, reading. The biggest myth in bodybuilding? Hard work is all that matters. Social media? Useful tool. Uh, a superhero? Very much of a superhero guy. Um, the Hulk. Uh, number one parenting tip. Um, they hear nothing of what you say and see everything you do. Mm, very good. I think a good place to, to, well, we'll do this and then we'll get to the other part, but finish this sentence. Uh, I wished, I'll, I'll just read them out and then you can kind of, there's I wished, I liked, it's time for and shout out to. So, First one is uh, complete the sentence, I wished. I wish or I wished? I wished. Blank. Well, it's not blank, it's, yeah. it's, it's nothing. Like, I realize now in my evolution that it's all been there for a reason, man. Every single learning opportunity has been a blessing for me. So, and everything that will happen, will happen, and, and that should happen, will happen. So, not nothing. Uh, I liked. Um, I don't know what I liked. I liked uh, pushing myself further than I thought was physically possible. That was one thing I've liked in my life. It's time for? Excellence. And it's upgrading your life 1% every day. Excellence. And shout out to? And everybody. Um, sending everybody love and sending everybody who, uh, you know, who's impacted me in any way. I'm so grateful for all my mentors, for my teachers, and all of everyone literally who impacts my life. If I get to spend five minutes with you, I'm, I'm probably taking more away from it than you are, um, just because I'm grateful for uh, the time, the energy, and, and the exchange is uh, making me better. You know, we talk about going into a class and me being the teacher, but really it's just, you know, giving me the opportunity to teach, so it allows me to, to reflect on my ability to learn and, um, yeah, I'm grateful for everybody, for all of you guys. Thank you. And how can people stay in touch and learn more about you? Instagram seems to be the, the first place of contact. Um, so that's uh, BPAC Fitness, B-P-A-K Fitness. Um, I've got the Muscle Intelligence Podcast, previously called the Muscle Expert Podcast, just switched on January 1st. Um, the only reason for the change was I, I don't claim to be a muscle expert, and there's a lot more about on the podcast than just muscle. Um, and it goes with my business. So. 
um, that's a great place to find me. You've got benpokolsky.com. I've also got MI40 Nation. And probably this week, we'll re be relaunching the website called Muscle Intelligence, muscleintelligence.com. Um, so that'll be out. So lots of different places. Ladies and gentlemen, David Kel. I hope you've enjoyed this interview. Thanks for watching. Remember to subscribe to us on YouTube for more fantastic interviews just like this one. Until next time, train hard, supplement smart, and eat well. Oh, 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 oh.